Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? Man, it's great to have you guys with us today. Um, and if you're just joining us, we're actually in a series in the book of Romans. We're excited to just journey through uh, this book the next several weeks here at Thrive. And uh, if you have your copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Romans 5, verse 1. Well, as you guys know, I have a seven-year-old, and he's many of my illustrations because I have to spend so much time with him, uh, you know, and it's a lot of interactions. Well, at this age right now that he's at, and he has been for the past few years, it's all about boundaries, right? Like he's testing boundaries all the time. So what we do is we have this little thing. We say, you know, warning and time out and lose it. And so that's kind of the progression, right? Like, like I want to do the belt. My wife, um, she says, let's do the consequences. So um, I'm a wise man, and so we do the warning timeout and lose it. And it has, he's responded well to it. But the thing that happens is he cannot stand when he gets the timeout. So he knows the next thing that's going to happen is he's going to lose it. And then he gets really upset, and he, and he said to me recently, and he actually wasn't just being a smart aleck. He was actually like getting across, he says, well, I don't understand why you would, you know, give me a Switch, a, a Nintendo Switch, not the Switch, like, uh, you know, Nintendo Switch, and, uh, and not let me play it. I was like, well, bro, this is consequences. You're disrespectful, so this is what you're losing. Now, all he can focus on with discipline is what he's losing, right? He's focused on losing the screen time, losing the Switch, and if he's disrespectful to me, uh, he's my best buddy. He, has to, he loses time to play with me. So there's five minutes off of Dad Dawson time, and he hates that. But he's focused on everything he's losing. But you know, um, whether you're a parent or not, you know that it's so important of what you're building in a child when you're doing that is you're building things in him. I'm focused on what it's adding to his life. Like, I want to I raise a decent human being. That's like my goal, right? Do you want to have a world changer? Just let him be a decent human being. I'll be fine, right, <laughs> as being a parent. But he's focused on the things he's losing. I'm focused on what he's actually gaining in it. And today what I'm going to talk to you about is something about forgiveness and what it means in our Christian faith. Because I think sometimes when it comes to forgiveness in a good way, we focus on just what's been taken away in a good way. But we don't realize what God has tried to add to us. And this is what Paul begins to convey to the church at Rome. Now, just again, the backdrop of this letter is so important. Because the history of it will set up why it's important. As I said before, it's a miniature Bible. Like if you could read one New Testament letter, go to Romans. Because Romans has so much great theology. He covers uh, such extensive topics in that book. And he had been in ministry now for over 20 years, traveling and preaching. And Rome was the center point of the world at that time in first century. The Roman Empire ruled the world per se. And so Paul wanted to get to Rome. That was his major place he wanted to go from day one, and he just could not make it there. There was stuff that delayed him all the time. And so he even told them in Romans 1, look, look I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's not, that's not because I haven't been to you yet and I'm scared. That, that, that's not the reason. And so over and over again, he was delayed. But finally, 20 years into this thing, he writes this letter to the church at Rome. And what he writes to them is birth out of experience. He's been through so much. He's been through so much heartache and betrayal. And he's had a chance at this point to develop his theological understanding of what salvation really is and how the Jews and Gentiles should, should interact together and what that means. Because the Jews were saying, hey, look, Gentiles need to come and be Jewish too to be saved. 
Like, like you need to come and also be Jewish and, and make sure, you know, you obey the customs and adopt our culture. And so Paul so many times had been going through that, showing them, no, 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 that, that, that's not the case. And that's one of the main purposes of the letter to the church at Rome. Now, before we get into chapter 5, you understand what's happened. Chapters 1 and 2 are heavy. Like, like chapters 1 and 2, if you want to read some heavy scripture, it's heavy. Because Paul sets up the problem, as we uh, unpacked in week 1, of human depravity. That we are born into sin. We've broken God's holy law. We are sinners. We're not good people getting better. We are, we are people that are, have desperately wicked hearts. That he says no one is good. No, not one. And he's convincing the Jews of this because they thought, oh, no, 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 we're, we're good. We're God's chosen people. He's like, no, no, Jews and Gentiles both, all of us need to be saved. We have broken God's holy law. And so then in chapters 3 and 4, here's what he does. He talks about justification. And remember last week I went into to, you know, pictures of what this means and images of what this means. He, this is the biggest word in the book of Romans, that church, uh, the letter to the church at Rome. Justification is a judicial word, and it means this. Imagine that you go and you're standing before a judge. You know that you murdered somebody. They have cameras. They've seen you. Your DNA's there. The jury knows you've murdered that person. The people in the courtroom know it, and the judge knows it. And you know that if he sentences you, you're going to death row. It's over for you. And before the sentencing takes place, a man walks out and says from the side, I've never done anything wrong, but I'm going to take the place of this guy on death row. And you're like, you're like, what, why? Why would you do this? And the judge says, are, are you sure? Is this agreeable? The lawyer says, well, I guess if he wants to, he can do it. And an innocent person takes your place on death row. You knowing you did it. And this guy does not deserve to die. And Paul paints that picture of us in Christ because that's what Christ did for us. We, again, we broke God's holy law. God is perfect love and he's perfect justice, right? As we established. God cannot overlook sin. Sin has to be punished. Wrath has to be poured out. So what does God do? God sends Jesus to take the wrath and the punishment for us. And he acquits us freely. And so Paul sets up in chapters 3 and 4 and goes extensively into this. But now in chapter 5, he begins to shift gears a little bit because he wants to show them that being acquitted and being freed from that is not just something that just, just neutrally happened to you, that now I'm free, so what? Okay, I've been forgiven, so what? Paul wants to show them something deeper about this. Then in Romans 5, look at Romans 5 verse 1, he says, Therefore, anytime you see therefore in the Bible, guess what? It's there for a reason. <laughs> that's what, that's, I paid a lot of money in seminary just to learn that, right? And get that joke. I've been waiting many years to use it, and I got it. But it's very important. When, when you see therefore, he's connecting two thoughts together. And he literally ends chapter 4 by saying, since we've been made right with God by faith through Christ. Like, since we have justification, therefore... Since we've been made right with God in God's sight by faith, we, watch this, have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. This is not peace from God, as I talked about in our Christmas series. This is peace with God. Remember last week about religion versus Christianity? See, religion is always trying to make peace with God through works. 
Christianity is God made peace with you through Christ's finished work. Religion is I'll make peace with God through how good I can be. Christianity is God has made peace with you through how perfect Jesus was as the sacrifice who took our punishment. See, that's a benefit of salvation. Yeah, you have complete peace with God. He says because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place, I love this, of undeserved privilege where we now stand. That's what we have in Christ. He says, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And verses 3 through 5, we're going to hang our hat on today, so watch this. He says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance helps develop strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. What Paul wants to get across to them is this, is that I've taught you about justification. Your sins have been wiped away. You've been freed. Now what? And I think what happens is we look at forgiveness as something as just as subtracting, taking away, the taking away, the remission of sins, which it is, correct? But we don't realize what God has given us in justification and given us in salvation. We don't realize the benefits. Just like my son can only see the negative part of what time out is, he can't see the benefits. I think sometimes that happens to us as well. And Paul wanted them to realize something. He totally shifts gears and says, therefore, since you've been made right with God, you have peace with God, but not only that, you have a confident hope, but not only that, he goes into other benefits and gifts that we have because of this undeserved privilege. And so if you have your notes handy, write this down, because this is what I want to get across today to you, is what I want us to know is this. Forgiveness isn't just subtraction, it's also addition. Forgiveness isn't just subtraction, but it's also addition. Yes, he does remove our sins as far as from the east is from the west and remembers them no more. Isn't that beautiful? What you're, you're still hung up about and you're still upset about and you won't forgive yourself about, God's forgiven you if you're in Christ. And forgiveness is not just the taking away of sins, but it's the adding of so much to us. Matter of fact, there are benefits to be made right with God through Christ. There are benefits. You are now a child of God. Before you come to Christ, you're not a child of God. You're just a create your creation. But you're not a child of God. Scripture says in John 1, 12 that we become children of God when we place our faith in Christ. He's given us the right to become children of God. So when you become a child of God, there are benefits to that. Like, for instance, I got a call last year. My grandfather, Amos Bordeaux, was a, a game warden in North Carolina. And he was killed in active duty when my dad was 13 years old. And so I never got a chance to meet my grandfather, uh, Amos. I have a really nice, beautiful picture of him in his, you know, his, um, decked out in his, his garb there, man, and all that. And you know, I can see some of the resemblances of our family, but I never met him. But I got a call last year, and they said, um, you know, are you the grandson of Amos Bordeaux? I said, I am. He said, I understand that you have a son, Dawson Bordeaux. I said, yes. And so he said this. He said, well, we have something for you. Because of your relationship with Amos, you now get a lifetime 
hunting and fishing license in North Carolina just because of your relationship and because of his honor and his sacrifice and his duty to uh, the great state of North Carolina. And that was beautiful, right? Now, I don't hunt or fish, so I mean, like, uh, you know, I take my son fishing because he just says something that boy needs to know to do, but I don't really get a kick out of it. I just doesn't do anything for me, right? Um, no offense to Frankie. Frankie, I know you love fishing. Uh, that's, fishing's great, man. I love you. Uh, but with that, he, there was benefits for me just being the grandson of Amos Bordeaux. And you have to realize that being a child of God, it's not just I'm a child of God, boom, it's said and done. It's there are benefits that God has for me. So many benefits of giving us, giving us His Holy Spirit and giving us uh, gifts and so many things. But here's the problem. Many of us don't realize that we were given something at salvation instead of just being forgiven of something. See, many of us don't realize we were given something at salvation. We thought, oh, man, that's great. We were just forgiven. We're good. We're neutral. The, the slate's clean. The slate isn't just clean anymore. The slate's full of something new. And that God has, has given, given you uh, gifts. He's given you certain things there. And he tells the church at Rome, Paul tells them, that you have to realize you've been given some things since. Therefore, since. Now, see, for me, you have to realize this. Um, um, I, I love, and I tell you this all the time, I love the smell of a used car. Uh, yeah, I do. Like, like mine started leaking and it smells a little bad, so I spilled, you know, sprayed Febreze on it. It still doesn't smell the greatest in the world. You're thinking, this guy's crazy. I am. Because people, some people like the new car smell, right? I hate it. You know why I hate it? Because all I can think of is money down the drain. I want to invest. I want to make sure I make money. I want to, make, you know, I, I love, I love driving an old car. And I love that people who are just spending tons of money on these cars, man, are probably judging me while they're in their Tesla. Like, huh, I can see that he painted the side of his car, and I did. I, I bought paint online and painted scratches on it, right? Like a car just has a certain, a car is meant to get you from point A to point B. Right? It, doesn't need, it, it doesn't need to drive me there. I can drive myself. Thank you. So I've not had a car payment in many years. It just feels great. I love it. And I still give away cars. I still have, don't have a car payment. I just love it. Well, my wife is not the same. My wife is sort of a diva. She's not in here today. She's on call. So, um, so she's probably, hopefully, on call and not watching this online. But she needs luxury. So I sucked it up, and she went and got a new-ish car, not a new car. And all I can think about with this car is what's been taken away out of our bank account each month. Like, you give me that money and let me invest it, and I can make us some money, baby. We don't need to give money away. Like, just, it's, you know, but, but for her, she wants the car. So as a good husband, I would never say that to her. And so the other day, you know, we're driving the car, and it drives fine. I mean, yeah, whatever, you know, it drives good. It's a car, you know, and we're driving. That's, that's how I think about it. And you know, and, and again, I'm just like, ugh, I'm just driving around. And that's, all, that's all I can think about. But again, I never say it. Well, the other day she says, hey, hey, hey. She said, you probably didn't know this about the car because we're driving at night for date night. She said, you know how like you're, you're sitting there and you're flicking the, the, the dimmer? She said, hey, you got you to see this benefit. She goes and presses a button. And I kid you not, as I'm driving, the car automatically dims the lights when other cars come. Now, now you, your car may have this, but to me... I feel like I'm on the Star Trek, Star Trek Enterprise, man. I feel like I am like, you know, like just my brain was blown that you had this benefit. I didn't know cars could do this. 
I felt like I was in Back to the Future. Like I was like, this is crazy that it actually dims the lights. And we drive, and I was like, you ready, ready? And it did it for me. So that I had no clue a car could do. And I think the same thing, I know that you know, sounds a, a little silly, but you know the same thing happens to us as believers? We don't realize what we have at our disposal in Christ. We don't realize the blessings and the benefits of what the Lord has given us because of our salvation. We just see it as a standing and we just go from there. We don't realize we have some really cool features that have never been opened up to us before. And what I want to do today is focus on the one thing that was so important to the first century church, the gift that we've been given, the opportunity that we've been given, the privilege that we've been given in Christ, and it's rejoicing when things are really tough. And if you have your notes, write this down, because here's what I want you to realize. Here's what we have to do. Just like I, you know, turn that little button and it changes. You need to activate the gift of rejoicing when things aren't going your way. Activate the gift of rejoicing. You say, why is that a gift? Do you realize that joy in suffering is unique to Christianity, and it's what changed the world? The first three centuries of Christianity, there was not a canon of Scripture. There was not a Bible. They weren't giving Bibles out to people. In the, the first three centuries, there were believers, though, who had an irresistible faith. Now, as Paul is writing this letter, Rome is becoming increasingly more uh, persecuting to Christians. Realize that what they were doing as Nero was getting ready to take over, they thought if I, we just killed the Christians or if we tortured them, they'll stop. Others will look in and say, I don't want any part of this. And so what happens? Think about Nero. Study history. He would feed Christian families to lions. People in stadiums would gather around to cheer. And it was said like this, if you would denounce your faith, we won't feed you. But if you keep your faith, we're feeding you to lions. And whole families sat there rejoicing. Each apostle died as a martyr, rejoicing while they were being killed. Rejoicing. Stephen in the New Testament is saying, God, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus on the cross. I mean, this thing, and people could not figure out, why are they doing this? And Christianity kept growing, and it kept growing, and it kept growing. It was not a religion led by fear. It had no power. They weren't killing people. And it was in the third century when Christianity was politicized and nationalized, when Constantine wanted it to become the national religion. And that's when the dark ages begin to take over. And here's the reason why. They looked at believers and they saw joy in suffering. And they could not figure out how this was happening. They could not stop the movement of Christianity. It was irresistible. And the reason was, is what, what Paul was saying is because we can rejoice in suffering too. God has given us the ability to have joy when things are not going our way. And that is what makes you and I and our faith irresistible to a world that can't figure that out. The same thing that was true in the first three centuries of Christianity is true for us today. And here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. He says, we can rejoice too. 
when we run into problems and trials. And why is that? And I love what he says next, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And the next couple of verses focus on this. And endurance develops strength of character. It's because you've been through something, right? That's what endurance is. It's, it's this resilience, the ability to bounce back, the ability to remain strong mentally when you're going through things, not break down all the time. Character is a toughness. And character doesn't come unless you've been through it before, right? Unless you've experienced it before. So he says that endurance develops strength of character, and it comes from problems and trials. He says this, and character strengthens, I love this, our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. It's not subtraction, but watch this, but it's an addition. For he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. Paul says when you go through problems and trials and you're struggling, you begin to develop endurance. And that endurance develops character. And here's what character does. Guys, when you're going through those things, here's what it does for you. The development of character creates confidence. It creates confidence. If you've ever met somebody, especially those who are older in their faith, they don't get shaken by things. Things just don't bother them as much if they're serving the Lord and been doing it for many years. Like, like things that bother us, they're like, oh, honey, God's delivered me from so much, I ain't worried about this. Like, you're not worried. I'm worried. I'm like worried sick about you. You got the doctor's report. Oh, it's fine. And they just have this, this attitude that they can just survive anything. They're tough as nails spiritually. They're not roller coaster faith up and down all the time because they've been through it. And not only have they been through it, they've understood the gift of rejoicing when things are not going right because they have confidence. Why do they have confidence? Because they've developed character, resilience. One of the things uh, that this generation struggles with and they're going to struggle with is resilience and character, especially the younger generation. And it's not their fault because parents want to remove children from any obstacles around them. If you, don't, if, if you get pushback, get them out of the environment as quick as possible. But we understand that it's only in tough situations, situations that grate you, situations that are difficult when you're overwhelmed and you're stressed, that you actually develop that type of endurance and character and resilience in your life. I want my son to be around people who will put him in his place. Y'all think I'm crazy, don't you? For instance, across the street, there are three boys. There's two twins and an older boy. And when he goes over there, Man, he is the youngest, and they don't let him play video games. They tell him no. They tell him he's doing a bad job while he's playing them, and he comes back, and I'm like, good. That's what he needs, right? <laughs> Yesterday, he had a kid playing basketball who just ran up, and like, this kid was a fouling machine, um, and like, I loved it because this, I mean, it's almost like he met his match physically. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he needs that type of child. He was so angry. I was like, yeah, this is great. Right? And at school, he comes back and tells me, like, the stuff he's facing, what he's going through. We need that type of stuff in life. And if we understand how to have the proper perspective, guess what? As we begin to go through those things in life, we develop resilience and character. You don't develop character in a textbook. 
See, Paul knew about this. This is 20 years into it. It wasn't like he, was, he had just launched off in the ministry, had this pie-in-the-sky type of ideas. He had been through it in life and knew that he probably would lose his life for this. And what it does, when you have character development, when you're rejoicing in trials, it creates confidence. I want to talk to you for the last few minutes we have about what that does. The first type of confidence that it creates is this. It creates confidence in the character of God. When you go through things and you've been through things and you start responding correctly, you have confidence in the character of God. He never changes. God is faithful. He will never leave or forsake you. Those types of things are just words to some people because they've never had to experience his faithfulness. They've never been in a place they've needed his mercy or grace. They've never been in a place where they've had to see God come through for something. And the saints that you go to that are mature in their faith and they're serving the Lord and nothing shakes them, they have been without food and seen God provide for them. They didn't know how they were going to pay their electric bill, and guess what? God came through for them. They've had the doctor's report, and God came through and worked it out for them and healed them, right? And so when you go through those things, you start understanding, man, God's got this. I ain't worried about it. Is this not, has it ever occurred to you that nothing occurs to God? Like, like, like think about that. The things that you're frazzled about and it's caught you by surprise, God's not like in heaven going, oh, my dear, how are we ever going to deal with this? Huh. Oh, I didn't see that one coming. I'm sure we'll figure something out. That's not God. He knew it before it was even going to get there. And he's going to be with you through it. And he's going to be faithful. And you start understanding that God will come through. The favorite words of my wife are not, I love you, from me. Somebody thought somebody, it's not, it's not, I love you. You know, you know her favorite words from me? I'll make it happen. When we first got married, I said, don't worry, baby, I'll, I'll make it happen. And she's like, oh, I just love those words. Because over the years, guess what? I've made it happen. I think the Lord would want to tell you the same thing. You're struggling. There's something going on that you can't fix or you don't know what to do about. And God's saying, sit back. I'll make it happen. It strengthens our confidence in the character of God. The second thing that it does is this. It strengthens our confidence uh, of our character in us, confidence in ourselves. This sounds funny. This is not like New Age. You like believe in yourself. No, don't. No, don't believe in yourself. Believe in Jesus, right? He's the one who gives it. But here's what it does. When you go through things, you start realizing you're stronger than you ever thought you were. You did, some people didn't realize they had it in them until they went through it. And you realize, man, you know what? I'm way more resilient than I thought I was. I've faced some things the past couple of years that would just blow your mind. I don't have any sleepless nights anymore. I'm, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to make it. If I could have got through this and got through that, you know what? I, God, had, God, had, God is faithful, but you know what? I can show up too. And what I've seen when I've gone through tough times, you've seen the same thing, you can show up and get through it. And it strengthens even confidence in yourself that you can get through it. And finally, what Paul wanted to get across to them, and I close with this this morning, it creates confidence for the future. He says it strengthens our confident hope 
of salvation. And salvation is not just like what's to come, but it's the hope that we've been made right with God through Christ, that He'll be with us, He'll be for us. And yes, one day, even if the worst happened to us, we're going to be with Him. That strengthens that hope in you. It strengthens your hope for the future. See, when you go through a tough time, here's the problem with that. You, sometimes you think that season will never end. You think, oh, I'm going to always go. Have you ever felt that way before? Will this ever end? When you understand activating the gift of rejoicing when you're suffering, and you understand the character of God and how faithful He is, you start realizing this is just a season, and my best is yet to come because of who God is and how strong these things have made me that I've been through. I want to encourage you today, guys. Salvation is not just wiping the slate clean. It's not just emptying something out. But God has filled you up with His Holy Spirit. He's filled our hearts with the Spirit of God who lives inside of us. And He wants us to understand that when we go through trials and we go through suffering, we can activate that gift of rejoicing. And we do that, I'm telling you, it changes the game. It will create character that creates confidence. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for saving us and for redeeming us. Thank you for forgiving us. But not just taking away our sins, which we're incredibly grateful for, God, but giving us the Holy Spirit who lives in our hearts. Giving us the ability that we can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials and suffering. God, I pray that each person in here, those watching online, will begin to activate that gift of rejoicing. Not because it's fun that we go through it. Not because it's joyful get, that we go through it. But God, we can have joy because we know that you are faithful. We can have joy because we know that you're always working. We can have joy because we know, Lord, that you're with us through it. And you will see us through it, Lord. Thank you for that. And that, God, you are developing character in us. I pray for that, Lord, that mindset shift. And from the youngest person in here today to the oldest person, Lord, that we could respond correctly. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And as we're praying today, church, in this mode of prayer, maybe today your next step is giving your life to Jesus. Maybe you walked away from your faith. Maybe you gave up on church and gave up on God and gave up on everything because of something you went through. But you know today is your day that you want to come to faith in Christ for the first time ever or you're coming back to faith in Jesus. No matter where you're at today, I want you to pray this prayer with me and after me. It's a confession of faith, and it's this here. You say, God, I admit that I am a sinner. I admit I can't save myself. My works are useless. So today, I put my faith in Jesus. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe He died on the cross. And I believe He rose again on the third day. So today, I repent. I turn from that old life, and I receive new life. 
thank you for forgiving me of my sins. And God, thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving me this gift of rejoicing in trials. Thank you for giving me all the gifts that you've given me. Help me serve you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.